Debriefing today unplugs people's creativity by embracing the wonder of change. It seeks inspiration from maverick innovators and change makers to share their stories, experiences, and dreams. The 21st century is dictated by complex, ambiguous, and fast-changing societal scenarios. Innovation requires new reasoning's capability to deal with these entangled dynamics. Today, I'm joined by colleague and friend Massimo Garbuglio to chart key reasoning to strategically design innovative futures. Massimo is Associate Professor in Entrepreneurship at the University of Sydney. Ciao Massimo, and thank you to be here with me today. Thank you, Mattia, for having me here. Ah, pleasure, my pleasure. So before we dive into um, you know, exploring new reasoning's capability, let me, let, let's start this conversation with how did we get here? What is no longer working effectively in innovation as it used to be? Well, I, in a way, I don't know if we can say that something is not working anymore. I think uh, innovation has always been challenging. I think those some conditions uh, are making innovation more and more difficult nowadays. And um, I can think of three things probably that make innovation very difficult for uh, many companies. Yeah. So the first one, and I want to borrow from uh, a dear friend and colleague, Andre Teixeira, who uh, was part of one of my books. Uh, he said that um, something along those lines, we tend to transform ideas too quickly into projects. So you have an idea about a new value for customers or a new business model or something. And the, the thing that companies tend to do very quickly is, okay, let's have a project out of that. And so they put the project management skills and they put managers rather than people that are visionary into the project. They decide steps, they decide milestone, etc. And what you do, what you're doing really is trying to decrease the risk of the project. Yep. Innovation is all about taking risks though. So you're just starting with the, you're starting with the wrong foot. He says that you need ideas to bubble up for a little bit in the minds of people. You need to test ideas. You need to see what else you can build out of one idea. And then at some point that idea will become a project with the clear defined goals and milestone and so on. And I think there is a, a tendency to talk too much about innovation management or project management rather than think about value creation and uh, innovative ideas, things that might not work because innovation is risky, but at some point might deliver something important. There are other two things that uh, um, I think uh, it's worth mentioning and I've been coming out of my research as well. So on one side, um, we have middle managers, which just don't have the incentives to push innovative projects because, uh, you know, middle uh, level management um, and families have to keep their jobs. They just don't have that incentive to uh, play with risks and have projects that fails. And at the same time, they need to help CEOs and C-suites in dealing with the shareholders and the quarterly returns. 
something else that uh, I came across in a study that I did last year with um, uh, the Australian Institute of Company Directors, uh, we interviewed uh, and we surveyed um, over 500 board directors in boards in Australia. And some of the points that came out were like, innovation is an ambiguous terms. Like what innovation is for me is very different to what innovation might be for you or for someone else. We have incremental innovation, we have radical innovation, we have disruptive innovation. They're all, uh, you know, different, uh, uh, they're all different interpretations. And so the board itself doesn't have a language to talk about innovation. The board often doesn't have the skills to deal with innovative ideas because in a lot of the boards we're dealing with, we have accountants and lawyers, which are all about governance and the risking uh, projects rather than really think about the long term. Yeah. What can we do today to play with some ideas, take some risks for the future benefit of the company? So I think there is a lot going on and all of those conditions come together and make innovation more difficult today. You know, my takeaway is I have three key points here. Vision, a common language to speak about innovation at sea level. And also the other one um, about the, the people, the, the, the form, the, you know, the, the board to, to make decisions on, on innovation. They're all about de-risking, um, quite rigid metrics and not, you know, dealing with ambiguity and, uh, and uncertainties, but it's more about, you know, this idea meet those criteria. So this goes, move on, this one doesn't meet. And then, you know, we need to weed that out. Um, yeah, which, you know, how can we form this common language though? I mean, um, those people are very expert in what they're doing. So it's also really harder to introduce new way of thinking or reasoning within those. Uh, because as you said, a company, a CEO is, is speaking and, and talking with his shareholders or her shareholders. And, and that's about money to some extent. I mean, it is about that. <laughs> so how can we do that? And which are the common language that we need to introduce to, to, to make easier to, to be more innovative and be more comfortable with ambiguity and uncertainties? That's a, that's a great question, Mattia. Uh, there are a couple of things that I've learned during these um, uh, those surveys and interviews with uh, with a lot of directors. Um, so, the, in a way, the company needs to be ready for for innovation. There has to be something that happened that is pushing uh, the compensation towards that. If the company has been benefiting from a good market, good returns of the years, they have no incentives to risk a little bit. Um, some of the other things are you can't put one person in the board that is, let's say, expert on innovation, knows, understand the language and innovation, and the rest of the board deal with the other stuff. It just doesn't work because you are the only person trying to drive that agenda yep. and the rest just doesn't follow you. So you always need a minimum number of people that are familiar with uh, what innovation is. Something else that um, I think it's really 
useful and has been uh, has been mentioned to me many times is you need to have a framework, even a very you know streamlined basic frameworks like the three horizon models. Yep. That you use in the conversation with people over and over again, and the three horizons pretty much in the various forms that came out tells you that you have a core business today that is doing really well and you need to take care of profits and efficiencies. You have businesses that are kind of working. You have some ideas that you tested and they're working. And so you start taking care of growing those businesses. And then you have a percentage of the business that is all about taking risks and playing with ideas. And those people don't report to the usual KPIs of, you know, we need to make money. They, the KPI for them is fail, learn, and teach the other what you've learned. And when you have, um, this can create a common language across the organization, uh, which is about then, you know, resource allocation is about incentives, uh, is about how you look at the customers and how you look at the future fundamentally. Yeah, and, and you, you mentioned a KPI um, that has to be different. Otherwise, the you know the purpose is lost if they are the same KPI of uh, you know the, the first horizon or the, or even the second horizon, but the core business. Um, but at the same time, those KPI must be defined um, by 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 you know the, the the top management because they are the one that want to. to how can we define that? And to some extent. Have you ever come across to very interesting KPIs in this radical department of the organization that say, oh, that's really interesting KPI to, you know, to, to filter down innovative and risky ideas? Uh, I can think of um, KPIs that are related to learning mm-hmm. and the learning and transfer the knowledge across the organization rather than a KPI on um you know, profits, market shares, and everything that is uh, more, you know, objective and measurable in that regard. Yeah. Um, you know, not everyone has to, uh, not everyone has to deal with innovation, I think. Mm-hmm. And not everyone has the mindset to deal with ambiguity. Uh, so it's a, a very small part of the organization's that is protected from the rest of the business that is going to deal with that. Yeah, and there is a, an, an, another underlying aspect that we we didn't call it out, but I'm, I have a feeling that it's very important even to define those new KPI is, you know, the creativity. Uh, you need to be creative also to define those radical KPI to, to, to analyze risky ideas. Um, yeah. Absolutely, because uh, if you are not creative in a way and you just do what everyone else is doing, you're just always going to follow. You know, the Steve Jobs of the Bezos, uh, Elon Musk, they don't do things like others do. They don't follow the same recipes. Yeah. But, but yeah, good, good, good point that you mentioned those three guys. Um, to some extent, they're not doing the same things that everyone has, but they're doing the same things between each other, being different, looking things from a different perspective and questioning things um, and say, okay, I want to do that. 
which there is more of a value of a, of a vision and they don't know how to get there, but they, they, you know, they, they put this high, high level concept or, or, or definition of where they want to get. And then they try to, as you say, experiment, fail and learn from there. And it's very, it's a new way of, of doing innovation. Yeah, I like that. You know, if you think about Elon Musk, for example, and his love for first principles, questioning assumptions that uh, we always had about the way that the business should work or the way the world works, the way customers value products and services. It's really putting everything under questioning and see if you can do things in a different way. And that's where I think then creativity and imagination really comes into play and letting people play with things without strict uh, management in a way. Yeah, and, and they're then going to design the, the strategy of uh, of the company and, and the people around that company. And yeah, one, in one of your books, you you write, after all, strategy is a hypothesize about the future, testing a few different scenarios and then bringing the most desirable scenario to life. I really like the idea of hypothesizing about the futures because that's what we, we just talk about, the, the you know, questioning and say, okay, what, what that could be, how can we do things different and then try to find a way by testing and, and failing and learning to make that you know desirable scenarios come into life yeah absolutely um it, it came in in a way from uh, uh, richard rumel's book on good strategy bad strategy he talks about uh, when he went to interview steve jobs when jobs came back to apple and he asks steve jobs what's your strategy and steve jobs was like i'm going to wait for the next big thing and when you know, look at also other CEOs, they have a clear hypothesis, I would call it a vision, if you want to say vision, but it's about what kind of value can you create for your customers five years from now? Mm-hmm. And then how do you allocate resources in a way that the activities that you do within your companies are going to support that? value creation so you know the business model comes after the value that you're trying to create for customers and how, how important it is to be flexible in there because you you mentioned you know how can we create value in five years time yeah and as we know in one year a lot of things can happen you know we are all based in in, in australia now and uh, we had fires last summer which is winter in europe and now we have this pandemic around the world, you know, and then means that things have, have to change. And that five-year strategy is going to change to some extent. But then you have already allocated some resources, maybe a lot of resources to, to that. Um, how easy is to implement flexibility and adaptability to a, you know, a long-term strategy when this, the, the board want to see profit quite in a short term? Yeah, I, I think it needs to be embedded in the way that the board works, first of all. And uh, I love reading 
earning calls or investment calls of uh, boards because it, it really comes out how they think about strategy. And you can see some boards are still working on strategies, a once a year exercise in which we revise you know, our targets and stuff about you know, the future. We see if we are on track, we bring in some external consultants that are going to magically change the way that we think about the world in you know, a one-day session. And then you have other boards which are about strategy is something you think about every single day because strategy happens, you know, some, something that can have a strategic impact on your business can happen every day. So you put that under discussion all the time. And it doesn't mean that you have to change your strategy. You don't change your strategy continuously, but you are aware of what's going on that have, have an impact. Um, and agility at that point is incredibly important in having that flexibility of changing how you allocate resources to, uh, to key activities. You know, one thing that I think is almost underestimated is the organizational layers that it takes to make decisions. Mm-hmm. So you would see, see organization with, uh, you know, layers and layers. You have to ask for resources for a very small decisions to several layers up. That's just going to impede the flexibility of the machine to adapt. Uh, and, you know, in corporate settings is even, uh, is even worse. Yeah. yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I think many, many knows about this bureaucratic level of things that are kind of um, slowing down agility and, and speed to, to innovate um, and, and create their futures. Um, innovation requires, yeah, a new, and, and then comes back to what you said at the beginning, that the board that make decision uh, it's more about, I mean, we're not, we're not generalizing, but the, the, the old way of, of seeing boards is all about solid and, and strict criteria. And, uh, and this then needs to come down the creativity and the ability to be adaptable and agile has to be from there because then the decision cascade across the organization layers. Absolutely. They say, you know, the tone is set from the top. Mm. And it definitely cascade everywhere else. And all these, these aspects, you know, like, like activity, uh, thinking, you know, hypothesizing about the futures and, and being aware of what's happening is, it's not just the role of the CEO or the, the board to do that. You know, even people are, you know, even the middle manager or, or other people of the organization can do it outside in their own life because it's, it's, it's a cognitive capability that everyone can, can, can do it, isn't it? Absolutely. It's, it's about uh, being very alert of what's going on around you from at any level in the organization. And, you know, at the front line, you are very close to the customers and you have, uh, you know, an incredible power in the sense that you can really understand what the customer 
is happy with, what the customer is not happy with. So for, for a frontline person, it's not about coming up with the revolutionary idea that will transform the company and, you know, disrupt yourself and all of that, but you still have the opportunity to learn the things that can be done well, better change to create value for the customer, which in the end might lead to that, um, disruptive innovation or radical innovation because you know innovation is on insights yeah you look at the product now and say oh that is fantastic but that comes from the work of so many other people along the way that made change in their capability to uh to improve that yeah yeah exactly you 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 mentioned something that everyone takes maybe for granted that oh this is an innovative idea but until the majority of people are using the solution then it becomes really innovative because it's changing um you know a paradigm or, or you know it's changing a way of doing stuff uh, uh no, no, it's super, super, super cool. Now, Massimo, thank you so much for, for your time today. And I hope people can understand, you know, this aspect of creativity, being comfortable with ambiguity and just try and not be a, and, you know, not be afraid of, of failing because that's how we, we learn and we can bring innovation. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for your time today. Thank you for having me here with you. The briefing today unplugs people's creativity by embracing the wonder of change. It seeks inspiration from maverick innovators and change makers to share their stories, experiences, and dreams. 